Welcome to Whatever Wednesday. Let's do this. Andre, what's going on? Hey, I'm a rapper. How you doing? Good, good, good. I think uh, yeah, we're sounding good. You've got some fast internet. That was that, there was no lag there at all. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Super fast, baby, all the way to the premises. So is that fiber? It is. Oh man, yeah. beautiful. So <clears throat> if you're yeah, listening to this, if you're listening to this, I've got uh, Andrew's got fiber. I'm getting fiber in April, which I'm freaking ecstatic about. And yeah, uh, that that's would, very cool. That means these conversations are going to get a lot more quality in terms of the technical stuff. Maybe they. Uh, yeah, because will... I was think I was thinking that because you know I listen to a few other podcasts, mm-hmm. and the ones where people are in the same room together, I mean, oh, they're so def- much better. It, but even like the super pro podcasts that are like you know have massive funding behind them, like I'm talking like BBC History podcast kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Whenever they interview people. There's, there's always, it always sounds funny, right? You know, and they've got like full blown radio studios behind them. You just can't get it and right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just there's no way to replicate that kind of in the room sound. But yeah. I reckon having a good internet connection that is, is fairly fundamental. Yeah, and I think we're we're sounding comparatively good in that sense. I mean, I don't know. Have you, you sound to, good. Well, have you listened to our conversations like in um, on the thing? I I have I'm bit, yeah I, do. I, I I have listened to them yeah you sound yeah, yeah. like the phone guy but but still I do sound like the phone guy that's all right though but that's I mean okay. more intense it's of... your show I'm just playing backup it's just like when we used to jam I'd play rhythm you'd play lead it's okay I, I get I get the nature of our relationship well look I mean you're welcome to host it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a time commitment though just saying but the thing is um the uh i'm thinking more in terms of the interaction and we're not like overlapping too much or, or lagging too much at least so and that's with no, wi-fi totally. you know uh, with um, at least uh really terrible wi-fi so i mean with with, with yeah. fiber it's gonna be freaking amazing i'm holding out high actually hopes. I, thought, I, I actually thought the one that we did on my phone um, the quality of that was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Like the the 4G works better than the Wi-Fi I had at my old house. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. From this end as well, without a doubt. Um, it's a 4G, baby. Come on. But anyways, uh, fiber, fiber. So if you're listening, hold out. Keep with us till April. Things are going to get better. Uh, but hey, we got to pioneer this somehow. We're working with whatever we got. At least you've got your fiber and we're good. All right. So what That's are we a- talking about today? Well, um, we're talking about uh, sort of another scandal. We don't have to go into the details of it, but there was another sort of scandal that's hitting the Christian headlines. And not only the Christian headlines, it's hitting sort of secular papers as well. Mm-hmm. Another <clears throat> megachurch pastor mm-hmm. has uh, been sort of disgracefully uh, removed from ministry. It's a kind of another Driscoll situation. It wasn't um, over a particular scandal. Right, but his it surname was, it, rhymes with McRonald. Yeah, exactly. It's like somebody who had a farm. <laughs> yes, uh, but not not mentioning um, names or anything. Not mentioning anyone who. Um, may you, mean, have you mean McDonald had a duck? E i e i o. Yeah, yeah. Like not James McDonald, the other guy. Oh, James. Oh, 
No, yeah. Oh, all right, all that's awkward. Right. Okay, well, now yeah. that it's out there. Now that it's out yeah. there. <laughs> um, I think um, I think it's just it's another one of those kind of um, uh, what, what's it, what's it called um, when you're kind of kicked out the army? Uh, uh, dishonorable discharge. For, that's right. Dishon- it's a, it's a dishonorable discharge. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's not like he had an affair or, well, at least that we know about, or that he kind of stole church money or anything, which is something, I guess, but it's kind of a Driscoll-like, yeah. was a bit of a bully, got hoofed out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it's, um, and I, I just saw, um, just before uh, I phoned you, I just saw um, a Facebook thing with Barnabas Piper, Mm-hmm. And he was saying, it's you know, the, whenever these things hit the headlines, it becomes easy for us to talk about them, and easy for us to kind of just share the juicy news soundbite. But actually, you have to remember that behind the scenes, there's loads of sort of genuine relationships and a church that is crumbling, you know, yeah. um, because of this, and lots of people being hurt and wounded and disillusioned, and <clears throat> and um, obviously this isn't the first time it happened. It happens quite a lot. Mm. And it, whenever it does happen, um, I always think about how to stop it happening. Mm. So, like, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be a mega church pastor. I don't think that kind of thing really is ever well, a possibility in, in, in New the Zealand UK. terms. You are already one. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> you would have, you would have the that. biggest church in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> no, surely you've got a couple of like, yeah, we like no, uh, thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. but it'd be like, you know, um, that would be it though, like a thousand, you know, which is what, like yeah. half of half. Yeah, well, that's the same as the UK. Mm. Same as the UK. So, like Hillsong in London mm. has like a couple of thousand. Okay. Which there you... is one. Yeah. Yeah. There is one in London that's like a huge number of. What is like, the population like 12, of, of um, UK? Or I suppose I don't know. Uh, what's I, I think the population of London is like seven million. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's got some people. Yeah, definitely. Mm, totally. All right. Um I d so I don't know what the population of the UK is. All I don't right. know. Like a billion? No. Could it be a billion? I don't know. <laughs> well, if you're absolutely in, no idea. You know what? You know Why are you best, asking me these kinds of questions? Do you, you know, know what the like best answer to that sort of question is? What? Sixteen eighty nine. No, whatever Wednesday. That's a, that's a winter. You just what whenever, are you talking about sixteen. Well, whenever anyone oh, asks right. you any kind of number, you just go listen. Sixteen eighty nine. I'm a theological guy. Whatever. Stop giving me the stats nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't go for the secular stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's um, like in the realm pop, population numbers and all that is in the realm of rugby and cricket for me. Just uninteresting in every way, shape, and form. So, I, so I take it you're not interested in the Six Nations, then? Uh, well, I mean, like no, I, I no, <clears throat> let me not even go there. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so so um. Like even though I'm not going to be prone to the same temptations that a guy like James McDonald's McDonald is um, is dealing with, or mm. like a Mark Driscoll is dealing with, mm-hmm. I still it still gets me thinking about how to make sure that we're not just being um, like surely surely you know with those guys they've always had a certain temperament 
mm-hmm. that perhaps has been a bit more kind of choleric mm-hmm. uh, and a, a bit more sort of, you know, sort of driven, determined, my way or the highway, a, a tiny bit leaning towards the brutishness of church ministry anyway. Mm-hmm. And so we'd probably be prone to the kinds of things that, you know, he's being accused of mm-hmm. or that led to his dismissal. Um, and I'm not sure that I have that temperament anyway to mm-hmm. begin with. So, I, you know, but it, it nevertheless gets me thinking about how, how do you make sure you're on straight and narrow as a minister? That You know, like who is actually watching you and do you have, you know, what do you need to have in place to make sure you don't end up like that? Mm. Whether it's because of bullish behavior or whether it's because of like falling to scandal mm. or whether it's just like dive bombing from just <clears throat> getting tired or you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Well, I would say, I would it, say, you need to be a cessationist. <laughs> okay, go on, explain yourself. <laughs> well, I'm just like, <laughs> I see. You know, I, I kind of have a little chuckle when I see all the charismatics sort of talk about this, because really, most of the problems that that come along, you know, in most of these kinds of situations, are just due to the the charismatic theology floating around in the back burner. Um, <laughs> Okay. Are you uh, being serious now? I'm being dead serious. Just... No, no, I'm being like serious, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, serious, but serious, serious, you know, like as in, okay. you know, it's kind of annoying, but it's like, it's kind of true and it's kind of funny. Um, so okay. it's a trispectival thing. <laughs> 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 um, of course no, it is. It's, uh, so like what I mean, I, let me just go back to CJ Mahaney, for example, okay? Uh, if you remember that, that was a while back now. Yeah. But like, I mean, that was that, just, yeah, what's okay. that? Go for it, go for it. Well, no, but just remind me, because he, he didn't bomb out of ministry, did he, or did he? Well, okay, there was that whole thing where they should have reported the the thing that happened the with the thing. child thing. Yeah. And, and that was like, that was different, but that happened after what I'm thinking about. Um, the first thing that came around was CJ released, released this, um, this uh, you know, thing saying, okay, listen, I'm standing down from ministry, I'm handing it over to my dude. And, um, <laughs> and he's like... Basically, nothing, you know, look, I just want to, I feel that the Spirit is leading me to a deep sense of conviction of my sin and just sounded super holy and whatever, but it was actually, it actually, in the name of super spirituality, sort of got around anything concrete and made it sound like anyone who cares about sin needs to quit ministry, um, you know, and it just, yeah. it just all following the Spirit's leading, so to speak. And, um, and you know, and, and just at at worst, what that meant was it was a cover up for something bad and they didn't actually front up and say what it was. Uh, at at best, he was just being overly charismatic and it was leading him down the wrong way. You know, he should have just been a little bit more rough and able to handle it. Um, but, you know, again, then it got more complicated with that other thing. And let's not go there now. Uh, he probably should have stood down after the rest of it, from what I understand. The other thing is the Driscoll right. thing. I mean, that is just funny, man. I mean, at the end of the day, like... I, I don't know what's what's funnier in some ways. Uh, Driscoll does nothing different the entire time that he always did. I mean, he's just always been like he was when he ended, you know? And all of yeah, a sudden, for some mysterious sort of reason, you know, uh, now all of a sudden it's a problem. 
and uh, you know he's getting a leading to go to another church, and the you know the elders are not necessarily even coming out and telling people why he's disqualified. They're just giving nebulous sort of like he's quite an angry guy. <laughs> he's quite he's quite arrogant, you know, and he's quite whatever. And I'm like, yeah. guys, are you freaking serious? Have you read anything he's written? Like yeah. when when was he not those things? Like what is the problem here? You know, and it's just yeah. no one has any concrete anything to stand on, and everyone's just kind of you know fuzzing around. Um, and you know, I think it just made me all, all those experiences made me appreciate, oh, wow, there's something powerful about just sticking to the Bible, just saying, you know, what is going on, just being a friend about things, keeping it rigid, keeping it, uh, not using yeah, charismatic here, here language. Here is the biblical yeah. qualification for eldership. You do not or do meet that requirement. Right. And even, can... even providing a more robust, so I'm not even saying this gets all legalistic and, you know, some people might read me as saying that, but I'm actually, I'm, I think in this case, I might've really defended Driscoll, for example, you know, in that okay. it would have called him out at the beginning or the end or something, but it would have, he would no one gets all weird and subjective on him that way. You know, it's, um, right. you know, he, 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 maybe he is, He's arrogant, but he's not disqualified. Why? This is why. End of story. You know, um, maybe he needs to work on things, but you know, he he's basically good. Or the other way around. But either which way, you know, you don't chop and change in terms of standards, and uh, no one's using uh, slippery language to get away with with um, with murder. You know, and um, and it's just that sort of thing. I think recurs over and over again. And drives me nuts, to be honest. So okay. I think, well, anyways, coming back to your question, like how can you, even if you are charismatic in your theology, um, you know, you can s- just decide not to make, you know, draw on that um, that side of, of that kind of theology in such a way to provide you a slipperiness or an excuse uh, in uh, or, or even just an over-introspection. Because sometimes when you do go through terrible times as a minister, where you know you're going through, you're gonna feel like absolute dirt, and you've got to be yeah. tough, and you've got to there's got you've got to rely on an external uh, appraisal of you. Not you know you're not meant to go down this this hole of uh, of introspection, um, and that's gonna get you through. You know, and so I, I feel like one of the major things that you can you can do to keep yourself sane on this is just get your your, your doctrine right as to you know what what is going to be the measurement. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because I was um, I was rereading uh, Packer's Knowing God. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading it with um, someone in the church, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, the, it's interesting reading it again because when I when I read it at first, I guess I would have just I would have you know looking back on 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 my theology at that point, I would have been a full on pietist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm reading Packers Knowing God and I'm seeing like exactly why I would have been utterly thrilled with it. But now I read it and I think there's a lot of it that is, um, yeah, that's very angled towards like a pietistic understanding of what it means to know mm. God mm. and know Christ. It is, is based on your experience, you know, um, it's this kind of thing where you, 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 it's a kind of an experiential knowledge that trumps all other kinds of knowledge. Yeah. And of course I do, I do, I do in part agree with that. It's just that when you're actually trying to nail down, um, what does a personal relationship with Jesus mm. look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, it isn't, it isn't like some deep mystical. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I got stumped by this because, um, 
one of the things that really got me thinking about this was a little kid in the youth group, must have been about eight years old, um, non-Christian kid, you know, comes from an unchurched background and said, um, you know, what is it like to be a Christian? Mm. You know, just genuinely wanting to know, mm, like, mm. what's the difference? Mm. And so I just kind of described, well, in some ways it's, you know, but it really got me thinking because actually it's not like, um, you know, I have this, you know, electrical current running through my body or I'm constantly experiencing supernatural phenomena or anything like it. It just isn't, that would be, that would be totally dishonest and a lie um, for me to say that most of the time I feel um, just like any other person. And I live just like any other person, except um, my code is different to theirs. Mm -hmm. My convictions are different to theirs and I have a hope that they don't have. Um, <clears throat> so like a lot of it has to do with my, my response in trusting the promises of, of God, you, mm. you know what I mean? Rather than, yeah. well, rather hey, than having some kind of mystical knowledge of God, it's about trusting his, yeah. Totally. No, I think that's good. That, that'd be a, actually a great topic for us to look at in detail, but coming back to your thing in terms of, um, you know, what, what sort of protective mechanisms do you need? You know, um, well, where what I was are you going thinking? with that? Where, yeah. Well, where I was going with that was that I think that the the kind of the pressure of pietism mm-hmm. um, it is is one of those things that adds a lot of a lot of weight to the burden. You you feel like you should be tapping into something that you mm-hmm. don't always experience, mm-hmm. and then if you are not experiencing that kind of thing, then I think it kind of leads down the line of. You know, and you start to, yeah, yeah, it just makes the whole thing a bit abstract. Mm, um, mm, I agree. Which is where I, where I was going with it. So yeah. it's it's a kind of pressure to be a kind of mystic as well as a, mm. as well as a teacher, preacher, pastor. Mm. Yeah. Another thing would be good elders. You know, elders that are not going to leave you high and dry. You know, that are either pr- going to protect you and tell you you should be in ministry, though you've been, you know, let your behavior has not been good. Um, you know, you do need to repent, you do need to go through a process, but you should be in ministry and we will protect and fight for that and you should not quit and we will equip you and restore confidence in you or you should not be in ministry and we are dismissing you and everyone is, is you know, because you're a public figure, they deserve to know why um, and, and you know, you should not re-enter ministry or at least for such and such an amount of time or whatever, just make it very concrete so that the elders actually are one way or another protecting the church and the pastor or the pastor uh, and the church. And, and it's just, um, and I think where elders fail, it, it gets disastrous. It really does. Because then the pastor has to sort of self-defend or he has to, he can manipulate or whatever it is. And so a team of elders that are willing to do their job, um, I think is key. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mm. I, yeah. It's so important. And when I go to the FIC Leaders Conference, mm-hmm. it's really sad, but um, a lot of uh, uh, the issues, like the main burden for pastors is not their congregation, it's their other elders. Mm. Um, so a lot of them have struggles with their 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 team of elders. Mm. Um, they either just like they don't get on or they're not on the same page uh, in terms of, you know, the vision of the church or doctrinal disputes within the eldership or, or just relational tensions within the eldership. And that's a real shame because my elders are great and we get on well 
and we are a real complement to one another. We have different personalities and different gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, we, we, we walk together in unity and it's a blessed experience. Mm. And I don't, I honestly don't think I would have even have only been working as a, a senior, like as a pastor, mm-hmm. um, for going on five years now. Mm. And I don't think I would have even made it through the five years without them. Mm, no, totally. you know, yeah. If I had to deal with issues within the eldership, and if I had to, and if I couldn't say things to them like, um, I'm going to keep going without introspection, you guys let me know when you want me to step down, kind of thing. You mm. know, because otherwise, you just, I, if the burden is only on you to ask the question, you know, am I holding the church back? Am I doing a good job? You know, am I, you know, am I making the right sort of calls on, on things? Am I teaching the Bible effective as a pastor? Um, like if, if that's all down to you, then Mm. your personality is going to step in and make the decision. You know, you're either going to be one of those like, you know, like a Triscolian sorts of sorts of people, Mm -hmm. you know, where the problem is never with you or you go, or you're going to be one of those, um, I don't know, like, jump up kind of people where the problem is always with you mm, you know and mm. <clears throat> and actually having some kind of objective counsel and an eldership who know their stuff can argue with you theologically um are godly men mm. um you know uh who have a kind of balanced view of um church life then <clears throat> they it's it's an it's, it's an, an enormous weight off the shoulders oh yeah yeah, totally. So, I mean, I'd, I'd say to those who are perhaps um, in a situation where they've, you know, just come into a church and things are less than desirable uh, or planting and haven't yet got elders, I mean, that's got to be one of those things that you just are. I mean, obviously, everyone's working towards a goal and uh, in, in any situation, they're going to be less than desirable features at times. Uh, I remember what Jim Renihan used to tell us, which, uh, at you know, at certain points were very encouraging to me. Um, he says, although a plurality of elders, you know, is the ideal and that which we need to work to in the, the New Testament model, um, you know, there's the doctrine of the subsumation of the office, which um, <laughs> I loved, uh, he, where you basically, you know, <laughs> as an elder, you're subsuming the role uh, or the role of deacon, at least, is is subsumed by the elder until you can get deacons, you know, um, which is which is helpful to know that you're not you're not sort of not to do the work of a deacon um, if you don't have right. a deacon, but, you know, the, the goal is to get a deacon. Likewise, with more elders, yeah. um, Jesus subsumes all the offices. And um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so, you know, you, you are always laboring with one who walks in the midst of, of the lampstands, you know, and there is always, in a sense, a yeah. plurality of elders, um, even if there's only one pastor. Although uh, mm-hmm. that's not intended to, to be something that sort of moves you away from the biblical model, but it, it's to encourage you as you move towards it. And, um, and yeah, yes. I remember that, that was helpful. And so, yeah. It is helpful, yeah. yeah. Because staying, staying focused on, look, at the end of the day, when I, when I finish my week, I can't possibly have done everything uh, that I wanted to do. But when you, and you just say, look, am I doing the things that I must do to be a workman approved? Um, then, <clears throat> you know, if you have a, a clear, concise definition that you can go back to and say, yes, I am doing this, or no, I am failing to do that, mm. you know, that's a huge comfort as well, because it, it also just means, okay, next week, I can aim for this, or, um, 
or you know what i didn't get all that stuff done and uh but i am still hitting the main thing mm. and you know so little little summaries that you can create for for what your role is takes a lot of the pressure off because these days um and and churches are like this you know everybody has different expectations of what a pastor should be doing so mm. some people will think of the pastor as more like a kind of uh pastor mba c uh, you know pastor ceo mm. some people think as a pastor is more like a pastor evangelist mm-hmm. you know you're just facilitating evangelism running evangelistic events all the time some people think about a pastor as like a pastor counselor just by your you know always in your house having a cup of tea you mm-hmm. know like that kind of thing and so the, all these different models of pastoral ministry all of them have have some truth to them all of them carry some of the biblical aspect of pastoral ministry but um but none of them really hitting on the main thing Mm. Um, and so to have that, to have a clearly worked out understanding of what pastoral ministry is, mm. um, that you can go back to and say, am I doing this? Yep. And then yep. yes or no, yep. you know, that's huge. Um, and that ties into that because if you, you can then delegate to other people, the things that you are not meant, you know, mainly to do that, mm. or if you, you know, in a rare position where you have no one to delegate to, um, then you, you're just going to have to let some balls drop. But the mm. one that you don't let drop is that main one. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a great point. Totally. It helps just steer you and keep you keep you on track. Um, all right, so let's just rattle out a, a few more, like things that, you know, would, okay. would, would prevent what you feel would prevent you from, uh, you know, getting a dishonorable, as, you know, obviously – we're never going to be able to keep the thing completely sterile, but uh, you know it's going to it's going to be a messy scenario, and you know you can't get, give yourself any total guarantees. But as best you can, you want to try and protect yourself from any dishonorable discharge. So what we've got so far, what have we got? We've got uh, you know you want to get your don't don't fall into deep pietism or charismatic theology. Uh, you want to uh, make sure you got some good elders. You want to make sure you got a clearly delineated role of pastoral ministry public biblical mm-hmm. view of that mm-hmm. uh yeah. what else anything else I, I think life and doctrine obviously walking with jesus that sort of thing well that's got to be the main thing isn't it the yeah. main thing is that you will find energy for ministry and you will be kept on the right road for ministry if you are spending time connected to the head you know yeah. <clears throat> yeah. and that's not a pietistic sort of thing no. you know that's not like that's not dwelling in silence for five hours before you start the day mm-hmm. it's it's um it's you know it's it's making sure that your time in the word is not simply in order to to get a sermon outline you know Same. Same. um it's that you're listening to yourself before you preach to, you're listening to the word you're preaching to yourself before you preach to others mm. you're you're not neglecting prayer um, you know, it just keeps ministry from being a career. Mm, oh, totally. Uh, yeah. You know, the and, brothers, and we are not professional. The, the, we are yeah, not that was so good. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you hit it. I in, wish the whole book was about that chapter. Yeah. Uh, I know, totally. Although I did appreciate the brothers. Bitzer was a banker. <laughs> Bitzer was a banker. Yeah, that was a great chapter. Oh, well, my goodness. That, was the best. Yeah. that chapter has influenced me so much in Oh my goodness! Oh, no. I cannot even tell you. Uh, it's amazing. No, it's a great, it's a great thing. Anyway, yes. So, but like reading like that can be hugely helpful. So, like mm. the Packers knowing God, you know, I, I sound critical of it, but it, it has. It's been a huge stimulus for me. So, like, he talks about when you're, um, you know, as you know, n- non Christians can fall prey to um, 
this kind of disease in your thinking mm -hmm. where everything just becomes hard work. There's no point, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, if there's no point or meaning or purpose, it means everything is a chore. You know, you just become pessimistic. You see the downside of everything. Mm -hmm. And he says, actually, Christians, you know, um, should have a certain resistance to that. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the, the thing is, sometimes we don't. And that's because you know, we fall into temptation to think in worldly ways mm -hmm. and our minds get bent out of shape. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got to keep your mind uh, bent into shape, you know, yeah. in the, you, you've got to keep your mind being renewed under the word all the time. Yeah. It's about Jesus. It's about the hope of being, seeing him face to face. It's about the hope of receiving that well done, my good and faithful servant, about the hope of heaven. It's about, you know, it's about, it's, it's, it is about, remembering that you're a Christian first mm. and doing it for Christ. And I think that if you lose that, you lose everything. So that's that's got to be the main thing. Mm. And I think one of the main ways that, because, you know, everyone needs to be preached to, that's part of the plan. You're preaching to others as a pastor. You're preaching to yourself, and that's good, and that must happen. But, you know, I think probably, for me anyway, one of the, one I think for others as well, like if it, uh, this is the common testimony, when you, when you, uh, when you want to be preached at as a pastor, if you want to hear the word and be ministered to and discipled, it's less going to happen, I think, by you sitting under another sermon, although that's that's important. I mean, that's okay. You know, it's not like I'm knocking that 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 thing. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the main way I feel that that's going to happen is, well, the main way it does happen for me is me sitting down with authors, perhaps people that have died, you know, old Puritans or reformers or whatever, sitting down with people that I trust, that I know, uh, that are profound ministers, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. by re spending lots of time reading those books, what I'm, what's happening with me is that I'm, I'm being discipled. I'm being, I'm, all I'm doing is I'm in the Word ultimately, but I'm being taught the Word by a, a guy that will ultimately pass to me, you know. So I've, I've had that experience yeah. over and over again with John Gill, um, you know, and just yeah, yeah it, it's just. Um, you know, it does get that feeling after a while, like where, where, who is my pastor? You know, and yeah, totally. Yeah. I actually do remember Piper saying that once. You know, he was like, at some point, you're going to get old enough where you know you're, you're literally who's going to pastor you? <laughs> and it's uh, it's only going to be the yeah. dead guys that can do it. You know, and, so, and, and and the reality is, like, pastors do need pastors who are a bit more switched on. You know, right? Um, <clears throat> because often the kind of level at which we wrestle with things is necessarily more complex because we, um, we aren't just dealing with individuals. We're often wrestling with issues that arise out of a whole congregation's worth of problems, mm. but also, um, also because we, we do spend all of our time studying and learning and growing in the knowledge of Christ and his word. Mm. Um, we do need people who can kind of edge that, who can, who can top that to, mm. to, to calm us down when we go, you know, when we get ahead of ourselves. Mm, totally. Absolutely. And just at that level, I mean, if you listen to the sermons that are, um, you know, really spoken at a laity, I suppose, you know, just, just um, addressed for people that aren't spending their whole day studying theology, it's probably not going to be the level that you need personally to to be filled and be, you know, because you're, you're just in there all the time. And that's not to say that, you know, you're above the flock or anything, but it's just the way it works. Like you just need 
um, you just need someone to push you a little bit and to speak to you at that that slightly higher level, which you wouldn't necessarily expect of anyone that hasn't already got a degree in theology or something like that. Um, so there's that. And, you know, it's just a reality. If you ignore that, you, you start becoming a little bit deficient and anemic, I think. And, you know, that, that's that's where the problem comes in. And then you get distracted mm-hmm. and and um, and we don't want that. Um, the the whole, you know, I remember two two quotes actually come to mind uh, where Spurgeon says, uh, I, I think it was um, someone, might have been his um, uh, commenting on commentaries or something or preaching preachers. Oh, no, that was Lloyd-Jones, wasn't it? What's his preaching thing? Lectures to my students. Uh, lectures to my students. Yeah. yeah, and I think he says, you know, if you're not being read, then you need not wonder why, uh, sorry, if you do not read, you need not wonder why you yourself are not being read. And, yeah, um, and yeah. it's a similar sort of thing there. Another one that comes to mind, constantly humorous John Wesley in his journals, or, or I think it was his journal, somewhere somewhere in my Wesleyan reading. Um, mm-hmm. he, uh, he was just utterly disgusted. He went, you know, he did the circuit riding thing, and basically, you know, he would come back and check on a, on a, on a younger minister. And I think he had like a whole year or something that he hadn't seen this guy. And so yeah. he, he basically comes in and hears him preach after a whole year. And he's just utterly disgusted, you know, just at, at this the lack of improvement in this young minister. And, uh, yeah. and he just starts ranting, you know, on the basic, this is the reason you do not read. <laughs> just boiled it down to that one thing. And he was just like, yeah. begin to read for what is at first bitter will later to you become sweet. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Well, I mean, did you read my uh, blog post? My uh, my latest blog post? No, I haven't actually. What's it about? Um, well, it's just interesting to me because I was I was reading through Hebrews five and six. You know the warning passage, mm-hmm. and it's just something. It seems plain as now, but it's just something I hadn't really noticed before. Is that um, the the framing of the famous warning passage of, mm-hmm. you know, tasting the heavenly gift and falling away mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, is about theological development. So the reason people fall away is because yeah. they don't grow in their doctrine. And uh, um, if it's true for the average Christian, it's also true for ministers mm-hmm. that if you don't grow deeper in your knowledge of the gospel, mm-hmm. you will um, become bored of it. Mm-hmm. And you'll lose conviction that it's worthwhile. Yeah, you never. And I think that yeah. that's. Uh, you never eat meat. Yeah, you're always on milk. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're not growing, and mm. and he, you know. So his rebuke to them is, you should be teachers, but mm. instead mm. you're infants. You know, you need someone to teach you. Mm. And I think how much more so is that going to be the case for pastors? Well, like yeah. if you know, if you are just, if it's your tenth time preaching through Ephesians and you are not seeing anything else you said 10 years ago mm-hmm. i mean you're just going to be thinking well i've done this you know mm-hmm. um and you and that will yeah i mean that will reflect not only in your preaching that will reflect in your excitement enthusiasm it's not about seeing new things it's just about growing in a deeper understanding oh yeah um which has to do with seeing new things but it's um it's not it's not like discovering new novel Oh man, interpretations. Yeah. It's really. just uh, even just being reminded on, of the stuff. I mean, I just think even if you do a yearly cycle of Greek and Hebrew, I mean that alone will cover you, you know. Uh, and then not to mention your just basic 
an overview of the content of Scripture, let alone the theology, you know. Um, yeah. I almost feel like to read a systematic a year is not too much to ask, you know, um, just because there's a lot of stuff that you cover in a, in a systematic theology and just you're hitting everything very, very lightly, but you're going to, even the light stuff, not have in mind all at once and you need to, you know. So um, it's how are you going to do that but by repetition. And so, you know, yeah. even if it's just that, um, even if it's just, getting through the Bible itself, reading through it regularly. I mean, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Hey, let's uh, let's wrap this one up because uh, I, th- I feel like we're bridging into some really cool topics. So let's uh, let's move on to uh, – why, why don't you stick with me, bro, for the rest of the Sojourners Pod Week? Okay. Let's I'm here, it. bro. All right. So stay with us. Andre's with us. Let's do this week. Um, that was Wednesday. Thanks, bro.